in England, you know, you, you're lining up for something uh, or you're queuing and people will literally just walk up to you and say like, oh, what are you lining up for? This looks very interesting. Should I be queuing? Hi. Hi, how are you? I'm doing well. Everything feeling good? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't a little bit nervous. Why are you nervous about what do you think is going to happen? Well, this is just a big deal. You know? It's back mm, to life. It's, it's really show. not a big deal. Do you, do you think uh, you might see some uh, some stuff happen? Stuff will really start shaking up for you as a result of this? I don't know. The big thing that's really affecting me right now is the selfie of you looking back at me from Skype. Isn't that handsome? Oh, yeah. That's before selfies had a name. That's that's back when it was just taking a picture of yourself. And self-portrait. It was all hyphenated. Taking a picture mm. of oneself. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, uh, I, I, there's that phrase everybody uses that they don't like to play favorites. You've heard this phrase. I like to play favorites, and so I'm going to say from the outset that you are on a, one of my three to eleven, three to seven favorite podcasts, and that's why really? I asked you to be. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, does that make you feel uncomfortable? A little bit, really. Good. Did shuffle a little bit in my seat. <laughs> um, no, thank you very much for having me on, though. Yeah, it's it's my pleasure. You, uh, you, and uh, I, Michael Hurley, do the uh, Bionic Show here on Five by Five. How long have you guys been doing that? Uh, since July, 2012. Really? Mm. I don't know how I found out about it. I think it must've been from getting to be better pals with Mike that I went and listened to it. And I I think I I don't, I don't, I'm not, I don't know the back catalog. I know everything from starting in the forties, but it seems like I got there right as things were starting to get, uh, to change, to get a little weird with the show. Yeah. We sort of went through our midlife crisis, which is when we got interesting. Um, don't, don't go back into anything pre 41 <laughs> so pretty five by five i'd say really that's that's when what it, well, so so the show is uh you could you should describe it in your words it's about the competitive landscape in technology oh god yeah it's about ecosystems <laughs> the ecosystem that's it yeah, don't you love a good ecosystem yeah no it's um you know, the, the original concept was that we wanted to talk objectively about technology and various different companies and the landscape of that industry that we're very invested in um it's increasingly grown into something a little bit different, um, which has been a lot of fun. It's been a little bit polarizing, but we've had a great time doing it. And it's now a little bit more just sort of uh, Mike and I letting off a little bit of steam and uh, just having a good conversation. And we do touch on technology, but only as much as uh, the conversation permits. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know how successful the show is or is not, but I would, I'm just going to say that it's, it, it is or should be a cult hit because uh, there's. Something um, delightful and disturbing in every episode. I think you've really you've really blown open the whole tearaway uh, trousers vertical, as far as I can tell. Oh, so I actually just sent a pair of tearaway trousers to a company today. So I've I've officially reached that level. <laughs> you, gotta, you need to get a bell. You can become a you can become a caricature of yourself. <laughs> what is it that uh, What is it that interested you guys about starting out talking about? The I'm and because I, was, I mentioned this to you before the show, but I don't listen to a lot of shows that are I don't listen to hardly any shows that are just about technology unless I really like the people hosting it. But uh, it was a, it, <laughs> it was a very unusual show in that you guys would it wasn't just about Apple. It wasn't just about Android. It wasn't just about game devices. But it seems like every week you guys would look at something that some things that happen and and try to extrapolate something beyond uh, what the headlines were. To, to what it means for the, especially for the consumers out there in the next six months. Fair? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's just, there's so much inane news that happens every week in our industry. Um, 
that's so granular and pointless. But when you look at it from a broader perspective and you try and have an objective and fair look at what all of this could mean from Amazon's perspective, and you talk a little bit about Jeff Bezos, who's, you know, in my uh, top executive list. Uh, he's, on your, he's on your laminated card. <laughs> mm, mm, it's on my wall right here. That's, um, but Reed Hastings is at the top, is that right? Reed, Reed, yeah, Reed Hastings at the very top. And he, he's unimpeachable up there. Um, but uh, so we, we just wanted to sort of just have a broader, more objective take on the industry and it ended up, I mean, it, it originally it was, it was Mike's idea. He had the idea to have a show that was about Android and he had the name of the show Bionic and he said it was perfect and he came to me and said, would you like to do the show? And I said, well, I don't, I've never used an Android phone. I don't own any Android devices. I don't know if I'd be the best person for it. And so we kept having this conversation and we really pushed ahead with it. And I said, you know, I'd be really interested in doing a, a show that's from the perspective of two people that have otherwise been just buying only Apple products, but showing that um, we're both invested in a broader sort of industry and that we care about the correlation between what Amazon and Microsoft's doing just as much as we care about what the next iPhone might look like. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, and so we did like 40... We're, we're, we, we just recorded episode 62. Um, so it's been going for quite a while now. Um, and it's, it's gotten a lot more attention. We've got awesome people that listen and have made amazing websites and things like that for us. So it's been great. Yeah. It's, it, it's funny that, um, I don't, I, I don't want to overstate this, but I, you know, just in general, like I, I, I'm very interested in what people produce with the tools that they have. And, uh, I'm very interested in how they can make better use of those tools. But it seems sometimes that people who are doing something kind of similar to what you guys have done focus very heavily on the horse race part of it. And, and those are the good ones. And then there are the ones that just focus on the, what people got wrong about my horse in this race. Right. Do, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. Where you can, you can end up having this, this thing that's mostly about trying to defend a position that's two years old about how things should be in the world. Yeah. I mean, see, like my, from my perspective, and I, I can't really speak for Mike here, but I think a lot of the reason why I was always invested in this is purely because, um, I'm an extremely naive, idealistic person. And I like to believe that, um, any company or any entity or any person that's trying to create something can contribute something to like our collective experience is worth at the very least, you know, discussing in a fair way, you know, just because, everyone hates Microsoft and has this longstanding, um, you know, resentment for them since, you know, the nineties, it doesn't mean that what they're doing now isn't without merit. And it's just talking about them and it's not talking about it from a monetary perspective. It's not talking about precisely how much success they're garnering today. It's much more about what they're contributing and why that's of significance um, for all of us. Yeah. And it would be a really different world today, a different ecosystem today. If, uh, Apple had decided to just continue treating Microsoft like their enemy. Do you know what I mean? It's like they've they've chosen more interesting enemies or whatever you want to call it, competitors over time. But you know, especially like people like me, to be fair, people who were there when when Microsoft was just the juggernaut that seemed like it was you know trying to destroy Apple. But you know, the other part of it is that it's there was a time where uh, Apple was doing some increasingly interesting stuff starting in, let's say, 2001. And their stuff was getting more and more interesting. They still weren't on the top anywhere, and people were still just pointing and laughing at Apple and saying, oh my God, these guys should have gone under years ago. What is happening? And then by 2007, I think, or 2008 maybe, that was starting to seem more and more 
not even just implausible, but just flatly incorrect and a little blind. Right. Well, I think, I mean, I think, I think perspectives, unfortunately, in the technology industry are very much steeped in this sort of self-protective, um, self-justifying light. You know, everyone wants to justify their purchasing habits. And, you know, when you invest in an iPhone, you're investing in Apple's, you know, supply chain and whatever else and their ecosystem. And the natural inclination for someone that comes along and says, I've just bought this HTC phone. I really love it. And I really think it's better than my old iPhone. And there's this natural sort of knee jerk reaction to want to justify why you have those purchases. And it ends up being this very reductive conversation that overlooks the fact that, yeah, companies like Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, they're all doing all these different products. They're all introducing all this different stuff and they're all trying to differentiate between themselves and other people and we get caught up in these very macro level conversations about, you know, certain little nuances and design and far too few people, in my opinion, are sort of taking a broader approach. And, you know, it's just, it's purely from me being an idealist, but, you know, it's, it's just, it's an interesting, and I think it's an important conversation to have because otherwise it just turns into this tribalistic conversation about technology companies, which is utterly pointless in the grand scheme of things. Well, people start treating those companies like they are actually people that you should like or not like. And hope it's not too fine a distinction, but also what people a lot of times, I think, are not even talking about the company. They're talking about being a fan of that company and having the jersey. And as you say, like, you know, when you get an iPhone, you're buying into, you hope Apple keeps making good decisions because you got to buy their stuff and you want to keep looking cool. But it just, it seems ironic to me that that the same kind of critical eye that could so eloquently take down people who were um, really cynically skeptical about Apple at a time when they were obviously doing more interesting stuff. Today, I don't know. I just don't feel like there's, in in the Apple uh, commentary world, it's true on all sides, but I notice it more because I know more people in the Apple world. It just seems like there aren't as many people today talking about what is a little bit, people who love Apple talking about what's really screwed up about Apple. And I, I, maybe I'm an old man, but I think you can still really love something and see everything that's wrong with it. You know, look at John Syracuse is a genius at that. <laughs> but that's, I think that's kind of what I, what I w- wish I had more of sometimes. So I, I don't know if you have a thought on that, but, but it's, I think it's very limiting when you, so, you know, we all, we all, all us fanboys, I've been using a Mac since an app, Apple stuff since 1987. I really feel like, as of uh, 2010, absolutely, I was betting on the right horse. I still love all the stuff. I bought a phone last week. I still love all this stuff, but it, a lot of that, the the silence of um, critical thinking on what Apple is doing wrong from the point of view of somebody who loves uh, Apple stuff, I, I don't know. I think that silence can be a little deafening sometimes. Yeah. I mean, it's also like academic and it's all in such a vacuum, you know, when we talk about this sort of stuff. And it's also time limited. There's only so much value to talking about the broader ecosystem. There has to be a very sort of, so it has to be a conversation that's very um, invested in and aware of the fact that it's only relevant for the very moment that it's being uh, consumed. Um, because you talk about that sort of stuff and you look back on it three years from now and it's a much different situation. But I just think, I think you're right. I think there's just a lot of people that are just, extraordinarily tone deaf. They're they're caught up in this mentality that they have to protect the company that they have chosen to um, support. And those companies are multi-billion dollar entities that are, they they, they just don't need your support. And if they mess up 
and you're invested in that company, it ought to be your responsibility to talk about how they messed up and not to try and, you know, dance your way around something and try to come up with some flimsy and fragile excuse for why it may have uh, occurred. So I don't, I don't know. I, just, I mean, it's just, we, we live in such, when you talk about it like this, it's such a, like, it's such a, like a boring it is, it is it is boring, except in as much as it's emblem. I think anyway that it's emblematic of a bigger thing, which is that you know we're we're uh, as much as we all may feel more connected than ever to other people uh, through some kind of electronic means. In particular, we're still kind of out, just sitting at our own keyboard all the time, thinking our own thoughts and hoping that we're thinking and typing the right thing. I, I think you could be a very very smart and successful person and still hope that this week you're on the right side of the truth. Uh, more so than you were last week. I think that's an extremely common thing. I don't think that's weird at all. I mean, it's. I think it's completely human nature. It's just that that's now it's so idea. amplified. It's so amplified by things like social media. Yeah, that's yeah, boring. So you still haven't used an Android phone, huh? Uh, no, I was going to buy one, but then I didn't. Um, have you used one at all? Have you ever, have you ever uh, ventured out of your chosen ecosystem, Mister Man? Yes, I have. I have uh, gotten onto onto my uh, biplane and fl- I got nothing. <laughs> yeah, I, a long time ago when I used to be Merlin Man, um, H I think it was HTC sent me the very was it HTC? I think it was the very first Android phone. This little black phone that yeah, yeah. with a little nipple on it, and uh, they sent it to me and. I, there were like so many of my experiences outside of Apple, there was, I, at first I was, I was, at first I'm jar, I'm really jarred by how different it looks. Then I'm curious about how it works differently. Then I'm fascinated by how much more you can do with it. And then it's not too long before I'm kind of disappointed that, that it that doesn't look and work the way that I'm used to and may not feel as stable. But yeah, I think it was called the G1. Does that sound right? Yeah, that, yeah, that is right. Yeah. So yeah, they sent me one of those. It was really cool. It was like back in the day when uh, you know it had the little flip out keyboard. You do this sexy little flick, and a little keyboard would come out. Yeah, I remember that. I was in university when it came out. Did you ever use? You say you never used one of those. Uh, no, my roommate had one, and I got an iPhone. And uh, back then, it was a much more sort of innocent conversation. It was like, oh, your phone is like made by Google, kind of. That's really interesting. Oh, your phone is made by Apple. That's really interesting. And that was about it. Well, and, and the thing that was neat about it I, from the very beginning, the thing that really impressed me, and you must remember, uh, listeners, that this is at a time when you think Max, you think Apple's not on top of its game with uh, online services now. Wow. There was, it was pretty amazing to have a phone arrive in the mail. You turn it, you power it up, you, you, know, you charge it, you turn it on, you enter in your credentials for Gmail, Google stuff, and all your stuff is on the phone. That was that was an amazing first run experience that I would never imagine. It didn't really come to Apple until the last few years, but that was that was really staggering. I had a funny trial by fire where um, my family had gone on vacation, and our our uh, our accommodations were broken into, and all of our cameras, all of our Macs, all of our phones, every all of our iPhones, everything was stolen. So it was uh, they just routed the place, uh, but tucked away in my suitcase. I uh, I had my G1 with me. Yeah, and so I was uh, out in the middle of nowhere with very little signal and kind of forced to have to learn to use Android in order to like do stuff like look for our stuff on eBay. By the way, fun vacation when you start having to look for your laptop on eBay. Trying to deal with what I'm still pretty sure was a corrupt uh, security department that may have been in on it at the hotel. 
don't get me started. But that, <laughs> that's the funny thing is like when you walk around, you go like, well, I'm a reviewer and I've got this thing and I'm just going to have fun with it. When you're really forced to use a different device for a while, it's, uh, it's really illuminating. You force yourself to have to learn what it's really capable of. You force yourself to kind of have to get beyond like, you know, the second time you're frustrated, you just close it and do something else. So it was really educational. I learned a lot about what it can do. I got kind of into it, but Honestly, eventually, I, I did still kind of reach. I really missed. <laughs> I missed my stolen iPhone so much, and uh, there was there was just stuff about it that I found really frustrating. But even then, this is whatever that was, 1968. I still felt like I could see so much potential in why this could be great. All the customization that just wasn't possible. And last thing, I'll, I'll just bet you that a ton of the stuff we see on the iPhone today would not be as cool and customizable as it is if it weren't for what happened on Android five years ago. That's about the same, and you're going to get so much email for that. Yeah, I don't, I don't, read, I don't read my email, Matthew. Oh, good. No, I, I do. do. I read do all of it. Do you have like a Python script for that? <laughs> Thank you. Your point on this is very interesting. <laughs> I would love to hear more from you in other places. Semicolon reply. <laughs> Text expander. Actually, I would like to tell you about something I like. May I tell you about something I like? Oh, please, please, please. Do you yeah. know about this uh, thing called mail, mail route? Mail route? Mail route? Have you heard of mail route? Oh, no. I don't know if you're aware of this, uh, Matthew, but I don't know if you know this. Email, it's still the number one form of business and personal communication. Did you know that? I I didn't. Number one with a bullet. And yet 90% of all mail is spam. I can believe that. Yeah, I, I still believe that. I still, I mentioned this a few shows ago, but I still get a lot, not a lot, but I've started getting spam again from ladies in other countries. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the confusing thing about spam for me is it's often people saying they had all this stuff stolen and they're in London. And it's surprisingly relevant. And uh, so I often believe it. So is that right? Yeah. Because you get the email from someone that says, oh, I'm in London and my bags were stolen and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, well, it might actually be true because this is a friend of mine. It's just plausible enough. Yes. And you could do, I'd like to talk about that. I think as a good turn, you could probably reach out to those people. And you never know. There might be a Nigerian prince who left his phone somewhere. Much like me. Yeah. My part-time job is rehabilitating Nigerian princes. (laughs) So this mail route, it's pretty cool. It's a secure hosted email filtering service. And here's the thing. There is no hardware or software to install. Okay. It's like getting a free hardware upgrade because all the mail volume on your servers, it's reduced by more than 90%. This is the same team that created Microsoft's forefront email filtering service. They're always innovating and uh, customizing solutions as needed. Now, if you're a nerd and if you're listening to the show, God bless you, you almost certainly are. If you're an admin, they have RESTful JSON APIs for developers who want to automate uh, management of their email filtering. You can integrate it with your own systems. And they have a custom script that can port user information out of Postini, Forefront, uh, into MailRoot in one step. And so uh, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go out and give this uh, MailRoute a try for free. You can go to MailRoute.net. You'll find this in show notes today. MailRoute... Mail- Am I, how do you say it? How do you say it on uh, on the island over there? You say root or route? I would, I would say root. Root. But that, that's quite controversial. Um, but I'm it, not it's got homonyms. It's got homonyms either way, though. It's homonym, homonyms all the way down. Um, it's pronounced mail route. Mailroute.net mail slash B2W. Now, here's the thing. You go in there and you can start a 15-day free trial on MailRoot. And the neat thing is we're going to give you a code that's going to give you 10% off the lifetime of your account. All you got to use is the promo code back to work when you're ready to sign on. 10% is a lot of percent for the lifetime of anything I've checked. So you can just uh, pop into there, go uh, change your DNS MX records and start the flow of clean email. This is one of those rare spots about technology things where I actually know most of what this means. This actually sounds really fantastic. This is the sort of thing I'm definitely going to look at as soon as we finish this. 
Yeah, well, you know, there's a lot of all or nothing solutions out there, and this 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 sounds like a great fit for a lot of companies. We'd love for you guys to check it out. Mailroot.net slash B2W, and your promo code is back to work. So start that 15-day trial and 10% off the lifetime. And our thanks to Mailroot for supporting 5 by 5 and back to work. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. Very how, good. Are you how are you doing? I'm good. That's the first time I've ever been involved in a sponsor read. You did, Mike you did, trust fa- me. You did fantastically. Well, Mike, Mike seems like a... Tell me about Mike. He seems like a real sketchy character. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, have you seen his new Twitter avatar? I did. That looks photoshopped. Yeah, no, and he's looking so smiling, sort of looking down. I, th- I have, I have a suspicion he might be looking at me because I'm like six feet shorter than him, <laughs> and he's and he's doing this little sort of laughing at me as I'm as if I'm doing something very pitiful. And he's he's much me. taller than I. He looks his face is much younger than I expected, and he's much like disturbingly taller than I expected. Yeah, so we're like the same age, but he has the demeanor of someone that's. Just he's he, he's very young and it's very awesome. He's, um, he's, he's still so person. full. He's so full of life. Oh yeah, no, I mean it's fantastic. I mean, especially if you come from London, because most people from London aren't full of life whatsoever. Um, you go down the tube too many times, and you come out and you're just miserable. You blame the tube. Yeah, yeah. Predominantly, it's dark, and you come out, and all you can talk about is the weather. Got to mind the gap. Yeah. Tea. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, All so right, let's let's get to the let's get to the real stuff. I hope you don't mind me asking. Now you're you're a, you're a transit transatlantic blend. Is that how would you describe it? Yeah, I, I describe myself as transatlantic. <laughs> That's so foxy. <laughs> oh well, you know me. I like I like to consider myself foxy. Oh, hundred percent. I uh, God, why do you think I tune in? Mm, Big mm, fan. Yeah, I mean it is tearawaytrousers.com. So. <laughs> That's true. And, and so you grew up uh, in England, but you came here for college. Yeah, I was born and raised in London, moved to Texas when I was 18. Uh, my whole family is still in London, um, but my mum is a Texan, so I'm half American. I have both passports. Um, yeah, it's very, extremely useful. If you ever need to skip a massive queue, you can just follow me. <laughs> you lend me your lorry. Oh, God. If there's one thing British people love, it's a good queue. Um, you guys, yeah. you guys queue, really, you and I, I, know, I know you're not technically part of Europe, but I'm saying Europeans and people from the UK queue so much better than Americans. It's like we Ex- have no idea what we're doing here. Except the Germans. The Germans don't queue? I hate queuing. I'll take it back. They're quite good at queuing in real life, but in ski resorts, they're miserable. Oh, so they, like queuing, they like queuing others. Oh, yeah. You have, to, you have to be very mindful of a German might just come knock you down out of nowhere. Um. And uh, yeah, no, because in England, you know, you, you're lining up for something uh, or you're queuing and people will literally just walk up to you and say like, oh, what are you lining up for? This looks very interesting. Should I be queuing? Um, just because people love queuing. Um, anyway, so I'm half American, moved to America in 2006, went to university here and uh, here I remain. I'm still in Texas. So your anecdote about uh, getting an iPhone, that's, that's not, you were really, what, in your second year of college or so when, when that happened? Yeah, it was funny because you said you bought your first Mac in 1987. That's the year I was born. That's so nice. Thank you, Matthew. No, I just wanted to throw it out there. Uh, uh, I, 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 I wonder how things would have been different if I hadn't done that. If, I had, if had my the- girlfriend and I hadn't broken up and I couldn't use her word processor anymore, who knows? I might have gone to the PC lab. You never know. Oh, God. It's like that Gwyneth Paltrow movie. You never know how it could turn out. You'd be working in insurance right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, so I've been here since. Uh, I, worked a, I worked a corporate job, which I left last year. I worked there for two years. I was planning to move back to London. My whole family's still there. But I, uh, 
I just haven't gone back. The economy was really bad there, which is such a trite excuse for people my age, but it's actually true. Um, and so, yeah, I'm in Texas, which is very strange. It's a very random thing. No one ever quite understands it. Whenever I'm in San Francisco or anything, everyone says, where do you live? And I say Dallas, and they just immediately get turned off. I forget all the time. Do you really? Oh, I, oh, I, I mean, I'm getting better at it now as we become better acquainted. I'm, I'm remembering, but it is, um, it really, I'm sure you've picked this up over the last however many years. Uh, they're really, it's a pretty big place. The country. Nice. It's pretty big. Yeah. It's no Canada, but it's pretty big. And there, it's really strange how the two coasts, uh, just culturally override the massively larger amount in every conceivable way uh, in between. It's, it's, it's mind boggling. And, and I, I don't know, you're, you're in a similar situation to me in that you're not in the Eastern time zone. And the only way you can really understand the ghetto effect, well, apart from, you know, actually not being, uh, I'll just say that if you're on the West coast, nobody on the East coast has ever for one second paused to think what time it is in California. Is that true? That's absolutely true. I've got it here on a card. They, 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 I think that you grow up, maybe if you're like me, I grew up in Ohio in the Eastern time zone, and I grew up hearing things like, you know, um, 8 Eastern, you know, uh, 8 Eastern, 7 Central, 6 Pacific, or whatever. You know, is that right? I think that's right. Even I can't do the math. But the thing is, you, t- you, you have to, when you schedule something, you know this because you're in the Central time zone, right? Right. You have to be extremely explicit with people about what time something is happening. And it's because the the east coast of the United States are they are they are our masters. They they're the ones who run everything existentially. Right. Do you get this? I do. It's it, you, it sounds very traumatic for you. It sounds like it's really shaped your conception of America though, that like the specific versus eastern thing has really really deeply harmed you. I'm not going to lie, it has not been easy, but uh also we get the brunt because we're earlier. So if you say to somebody Let's have a call at uh, at nine o'clock. Obviously, if you don't say, you know, you got to say, you know, nine o'clock Eastern or whatever. But you know, you get people calling you in, in the equivalent of the middle of the night because you were not clear with them. All I'm saying is, we we have to translate everything and we have to be explicit. Nobody on the East Coast has ever had to think about that ever. They're just horrible people over there. They really are bad people, and and the sad part of it is that they don't have the distance from it to know how bad they are. Yeah, see, all that, my, my full understanding of America is the edges. I don't know where anything is in the middle. Yeah. I know for the most part that it goes like, you know, California, what, New Mexico? That's like, it. That's a good job. <laughs> yeah. Then like somewhere there's something and then there's Texas. You, you, got, you guys got, you got London, you got, you got yeah. Swindon, uh, you got, you got that place where Alan Moore lives. There's Scotland. Yeah. 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 You go around the, um, you know, what's it called? The North Circular. Around sure, London. you take the M. You take the M25. Take the M7 up. Yeah, take yeah. the M3 up to up north. Um, yeah, no, because, I mean, you can fit, like, this is my fun fact. This is my cocktail party fun fact. You can fit four Englands into Texas. What? Um, but there's more people in London, like, in greater London included, than there are in the entire state of Texas. Well, you better learn how to queue in a place like that. Oh, God, you have to, you have to be exceptional for queuing. And whenever you take an American there, they have no idea and they ruin it. That's why British people don't like American people. I think it's totally understandable. Uh, you know, the other thing is, I think in in the more modern, the contemporary age, there most of the people who are alive and traveling today have never been beyond the airport 
of the city where they're visiting. So they may be, oh, sure, I've been to Chicago. Like, I've been there five times. It's because you've been to the airport five times. And I, I, I sometimes feel like I mainly judge a city based on their airport because I, I've spent in the aggregate, I, you know, if you look at it as like a, like an area graph or something, like well over 90% of the time that I have spent in Washington, DC, um, uh, Charlottesville, uh, Chicago, I spent a little more time, but by and large, I just have got LA. I ju- totally judge LA by their airport and there's so much more you could judge them by, but I judge LA heavily by their airport. Well, I think LAX is an apt summary for the hellscape that is LA. So it's not just me. No, I, uh, yeah, I've spent some time there. Man, wherever the terminal is where, um, Virgin goes and, yeah, and it's that's the exact one. It's, it's like a bus station. Maybe it's, yeah. It's kind of like an what used to be a bus station. <laughs> That's a disused bus station. Yeah, there's still some buses there, but they're predominantly used as toilets. <laughs> and yeah, that that's LAX, and like it's it's literally like the lights are flickering on and off. It's a very post-apocalyptic experience. <laughs> it, it, uh, it totally is, and it's it is. Let's just get out of the way. It's filthy. It it smells weird, and, and the problem is I get this cognitive dissonance. Because uh, most of my standard, you probably never saw this show as a kid, but when, when I was a kid, my standard for almost everything having to do with family, society, and culture came from the Brady Bunch. And when they would travel out of L.A. on the Brady Bunch, it looked like the future. It looked so beautiful. It had that cool-looking tower and all that stuff. And, and now today, it looks like an amusement park somebody forgot to close. Well, you know, you have to go through some horrible stuff to get discovered, Merlin. Yeah. That's what L.A. is all about. I hate it. I really can't stand it. And it's, uh, it's funnily enough, it's where like half my friends live in America. So it's kind of a necessary evil for me. I, um, I've never gotten LA and I, I, I blame myself. I mean, cause I went into it with a lot of really bad preconceived notions long before I came to San Francisco where we are obligated to make fun of LA as they are with us. But even before then, I think I came in with a lot of baggage, you know, based on watching lots of movies and knowing people there. But you know, I'm such a small person that when I'm in LA, like mostly what I notice is the stuff that is the bad stuff, you know? And I, I know if I spent more time there, I would see lots of great stuff. But for example, one, I mean, like LA is much more supportive of local arts than San Francisco. You can find cheaper places to live in the Los Angeles area. But yeah. I see, see, for me, San Francisco is my favorite city in America. And I'm desperate to move there and I would never touch, uh, LA with a 10 foot pole, even if it was cheaper. Have you really looked around when you're here though? Yeah. I mean, I, I always stay with friends when I'm at San Francisco. I've never stayed in a hotel there. So I always, I, and I walk everywhere. So I try and have a good wonder. Obviously there's some weirdness. There's weirdness and there's, there's stuff on the sidewalks. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff on the sidewalks. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And sometimes the, the people are still there and it's, it's very upsetting um, but but I think it has a lot more character than most other cities I've been. Yeah, to no, I, I kid. But I mean, the the, the problem with uh, with with homeless people and people who have you know don't have a place to live with men who have mental illness. It's not as simple as just saying homeless. It's hundred times more complicated than that. It's a, it's substance abuse issues. It's healthcare issues. It's a million problems. But you know, it's also kind of emblematic of what makes San Francisco such a complicated place. Is that our climate is sufferable. Like it's, it doesn't get that, that, that cold or that, that, that hot here. And also we're not, you know, we're not like New York city. We're not like throwing people in jail for being homeless. So while we're extremely tolerant in general about people, you know, living on the streets, we don't have anywhere near the resources or the facilities 
to make those people's lives any better. And so it, you know, we end up being like, um, I don't know, the bottom of the funnel or something. And it's, it's just miserable. It's, it's right. for the people for the, I mean, what I'm, I'm saying for everybody, I'm not just saying, uh, you know, for everybody who has to live here, it's really, really awkward and hard and it's a nearly impossible problem to fix. Are you going to stay there? <sighs> you know, inertia, mm. it's a thing. Mm. All my stuff, science. science, boomerangs, everything is unpacked. Mostly, you know, I know which day the garbage goes out. And I think as you you may discover this in 20 years that as you get older, I think the inertia becomes more and more of a factor. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. And the reason that you're, you, is the, the reason you stay in Dallas now is you've got, a, you've got, you, you should tell me, you, you've got a company that you're, uh, you're putting together for a big launch and most of your, your assets, your resources, your investors are in the Dallas area. Um, yeah. So I'm launching a new company uh, early November, which is as specific as I'll go, I guess. Um, so mysterious. Um, so, so boring. You have to look at your website to see what it's called. Oh God. Yeah. Um, and yeah, no, I have, I've investors from around here. Yeah. I didn't, I mean, when I, I started my first company last year when I left uh, my corporate job and I basically was trying to help support people in startups. And, you know, when you say startups, no one ever thinks of Dallas. Everyone thinks of, you know, San Francisco, New York, Chicago. And, uh, I had support from London and I was working with all this different sort of stuff. And um, eventually I had this idea and I realized that there was just, there was this pent up uh, demand in Dallas for people to start building interesting uh, tech related startups. And there's a huge amount of infrastructure and support and uh, capital that can help you do that sort of thing. So I've got a bunch of investors from here. I say a bunch, I've got three. And then I've got, um, a venture fund in Germany that we took money from just for the sake of strategy. And um, yeah, so as a result, I'm here. I've just, I've got an office in this area called the design district, which you have to say with your eyes closed in order to do it <laughs> justice. And, um, and I, uh, I have, yeah, I have an office at a co at a co-working space called Weld, which is really fantastic. And then um it's just that there's a whole sort of cultural sort of revival going on around here. I was really jaded on Dallas just because it's extremely pretentious. Everyone trades in a currency of what sort of BMW drive. Mm. Um, but I've found this undercurrent of people that are really invested in doing interesting things. And the difference between being here, any of those other cities I listed, you know, is um, that people are really willing to help you. And you can really sort of be at the top of the pile here if you're doing something relatively interesting as opposed to being in San Francisco when you're one of a million people that think it's normal to write on Quora and ask if it's okay to be homeless for six months while you're trying to start a company, um, which is an actual thing. It's really? Super, yeah. There's a conversation. There's a thread on Quora. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it. Um, I don't know. I can't see the answers because I'm not right. logged in. Oh yeah. It's miserable. Uh, so they have, there's this conversation where this guy said, is it acceptable to be homeless if you're trying to save money to start a company? And you'd expect, you know, rational people of the world to descend on that thread and say you're insane but the vast majority of people are like oh yeah you can move to like bangkok and stay in this like den for six months and it costs this much per day and apparently it's a super normal thing for people in silicon valley just to go to thailand or something well there's an article in the paper a few weeks ago about people who it, it sounds actually kind of fun if you're like 20 years old you live in like an rv and park place to place and and, and live and work out of that um I think that that's, you know, I, I can understand why you'd want to do that. I'm not sure that that's the kind of thing that people would want to invest a lot of money in is a guy who lives in a trailer, <laughs> but 
I don't know. Maybe you have more experience. Maybe the Germans. Oh, the Germans love 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 to caravan. Trailer. Yeah, they love a good trailer. <laughs> the, the filthier the better, really. Um, uh, you know what's what? One thing I feel like I, I've seen all along is. Uh, uh, I guess this, this must have been a thing. I, I mean, obviously I could think of things like Manchester where you have these scenes. And, uh, in America, in my, you know, early adult years till now, it's been, there was like, um, you know, like, uh, Athens, Georgia, um, Austin twice, San Francisco twice, Seattle. There's always, you'll hear about a big boom about the place where you got to go live. Oh, grunge rock's going on. You got to go move to Seattle. Or, you know, there's all this amazing startup stuff happening in San Francisco and there's startup stuff, you know, and so forth. But I mean, this, this is so obvious that it might not be worth saying, but, you know, anywhere that something gets going enough that people hear about it, they're already solving growth problems. Right. Uh, and, and you have to look no further than Hate ashbury to see how that went down, which is Hate ashbury famous for the summer of love, but you don't have to watch too many PBS documentaries to know that that quote unquote summer of love was about a month and a half. It was about a month and a half from people going there and having a good time to like lots of sexual crimes and terrible drug addiction and, and just really all kinds of crime. Like it went, it got bad fast. Heroin showed up fast. And what people think of as this really idyllic time there was honestly, it was less than a summer. And then we spent the next 10 years sorting everything out. Everybody moved out of the hate. The reason the Castro caught on was because people were moving away from the crime and drugs of, uh, of, of hate. Uh, I mean, it's more complicated than that, but you know that's that's how evolution works. It's interesting to me, though, that if if you if you take some of that as as being partly accurate, you get a, you get something happening somewhere. You've got you see you've got in the case of uh, Silicon Valley, you've got all these places like Stanford that are putting out a lot of talent, but then you have all these infrastructure issues. Where in San Francisco, by the time everybody knew San Francisco was the place to be. You know, rents were already through the roof. They were having trouble recruiting enough people. The people who came in weren't all that interesting. It was pushing out all the local people that made the place interesting. And suddenly you're playing this horrifying game of Sims, where by the time everybody knows about it, it's already kind of on the way down. Right. And it sounds like Dallas, from what you're describing it, is that it already had some of that infrastructure in place and, well, yeah, and, I mean, and just, the talent. It's just that there was just, you know, the entrepreneurial side of the city here and most of Texas really was in oil and gas and finance. And there's this sort of voyeuristic interest in the tech world, something that they were just mostly completely unaware of. I mean, there are companies there. There's Travelocity, Match.com, um, Hotels.com is here, I think. And then there's like, there's a lot of little things, a lot of companies that you didn't otherwise realize were here, like soft layers here, and they were just bought for like $2 billion. So wow. there's like stuff, but there's very few seed stage level companies that are trying to get out there and do something interesting. And it's a shame because there's, there's so much demand for it and there's so much support for it. Um, and so, you know, my company, when we launch, we have the support of like, the mayor's office and the chamber of commerce and all these people that have just been um, outrageously supportive and really just conducive to building a good business. And I don't know if that's just my experience. I, I tend to think it's not. I think it's just, we are one of several companies that are trying to do um, a very Silicon Valley-esque thing here. And, and it's not about building a Silicon Valley sort of environment. You know, in London, they're trying to do that. They call it Silicon Roundabout. And yeah, I know. And it's it's just really embarrassing, and it's Silicon you know, Circus. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's just it's it's like don't copy everyone else. I mean, the whole point of this is that technology and the tools have been democratized to the point that you can start a business wherever you want, 
And it's just about having the support structure around you to do that. And that can be either derived from people on the internet or from people in your city or wherever you are. And in Dallas, it just happens to be that there's a lot of interest in fashion and publications and tech and all this sort of stuff. And my company blends those three together. So we're in a, just a nice little position here. Um, my intention is to be to, to start operating in um, London and San Francisco and cities like that fairly soon. But um, for now, I mean, Dallas is an ideal home for us. I mean, the city itself and the, the mentality here can be a little bit garish and unattractive, but you can come across that sort of thing everywhere. Um, you won't, you won't get that here. So don't worry. Right. Yeah, no, it's totally, I mean, um, so yeah, that's, yeah, it's, it, I was really jaded, but now, you know, you, there's people writing fixies now. It's okay. People have ironic mustaches. So we're okay. <laughs> we're getting there. There's like Thai restaurants everywhere. So we're doing fine. Um, and yeah, no, it's, it's, it, I mean, I'm having a good time here. I mean, you can say that much at least. But if you had your druthers in time, your next big move, if, if you found a place with the company where you, you in particular didn't have to be in Dallas all the time, San Francisco would be a, a place you'd look at. Yeah, it would be San Francisco or London. Yeah. The only, I mean, San Francisco for me, I mean, it's just one of those things where um, right after I started my, uh, right after I started my website and it started to gain a little bit of traction, I went to Macworld. Um, and that was in 2012, I suppose. And, uh, I went to that and it was just suddenly, that was my first time to San Francisco really. And I just suddenly had this realization that there was this just high density population of people that believed and cared about the same sort of things I did. Mm-hmm. And that it was, it was very mundane and every day for people to talk about technology in a way that was such a luxury to me. And so that's a lot of what draws me there. But obviously there's a lot of issues with that because people are so caught up with themselves, but um, I think yeah, but you, you still get to pick who you hang out with and you know, it's, I, I'm, I'm hard on this stuff cause, cause I'm old and now I'm, I, I notice things I don't used to notice. I, I, there are things that I used to care about that I don't care as much about. Now I don't want to say I don't care about, I care about different things. And sometimes there are things where I have trouble mustering the same amount of ridiculously over the top, like angry enthusiasm for something that I'm expected to have. But, but I, I noticed the thing that I noticed is how I would feel, especially when I was doing more travel, is how I would feel when a plane was a- arriving or leaving a given place. And I, th- the pattern was very strong. And maybe this is just because I had a family or whatever. But the, I mean, no, even before I had a family, when I was, you know, just when I very first moved out here, but was going to Florida, back to Florida every month or so, is like, what is the feeling that you have when the plane leaves the place that you were visiting? And then what's the feeling you have when the plane lands in the place where you live? And if your stomach drops when you arrive at home, something may not be right. You yeah. know, you may feel like you're really going to miss the place that you visited, but that's that. And the thing is, if you do that enough, eventually a pattern will form. And and just in fairness, the pattern has been, oh my gosh, this stupid town with all the poop on the streets. It's so pretty. And people are, uh, are, are pretty smart and engaged here really incredibly annoying sometimes, but it is a great place to live. And, you know, I wish there was a way everybody had a chance to, to, to be in a place like this for a while, especially having grown up in Florida where I, you know, I would have killed to have lived in a place like San Francisco when I had more bioavailable fun. Yeah. Uh, Florida, I, I have an intensely strange relationship. With I would love I to hear, imagine where you are. I would love to hear about that. But first I would like to tell you about one more thing that I like. I don't know if have you heard about these guys up in New York. They have a thing called Squarespace. Have you heard of them? Oh, I, I've definitely heard of them. What do you, what, what you've heard? Are good things, bad things, things that really I've, turned you off. 
are really fantastic things. They are fantastic. Always fantastic things. Yeah, and they've been uh, they've, they've sponsored uh, your program, Bionic, a lot in the past, haven't they? Yeah, they, they sponsor us every week. <sighs> Good people. Little Ryan. So, uh, Squarespace, guys. Squarespace. It's the all-in-one platform that makes it easy to create your own website. You can get a free trial and 10% off by going to squarespace.com and using the code. I think our code this. It's a new month. It's the month of uh, 10. But uh, you should be able to still get the 10% with Stooge 10, as in corporate Stooge. One word. S-T-O-O-G-E 10. Uh, man... I'm going to read this, but uh, it's just. But I'm also going to tell you why I like Squarespace. They're constantly updating their platform, which they are, with new features, which they are, new designs, more support, beautiful designs that you can start with, tons of style options for tweaking things to be the way that you want. You can make your own place online. Uh, they take care of all the stuff you don't want to think about. Believe me, you don't want to think about hosting and SEO and all that stuff. They take care of that for you. The support is amazing. Uh, you know, I don't know if you know this, their office has been nicknamed the Care Bear Lair. I did not know that, but that's fantastic. I have it here written with words. And they've won numerous awards, most recently a Gold Stevie Award, which sounds a little made up. Mm, sounds a little sexual. You ever had a Gold Stevie? Oh, yeah. Okay, let's circle, I back. Wish. circle back to that. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, when you go to Squarespace, spend a little time and look at the stories on their homepage. It's really quite amazing. They have videos. They can show you all these different things that you can do with your site. Um, I guess the way I would phrase it is uh, you may be looking at a lot, a lot of Squarespace sites today and not even realize they are Squarespace sites. They are truly, literally, uniquely unique. You can make it your own. Um, and so, so gosh, they've won awards. Did you know this? They've won awards like uh, FWA, the Webbies, something from Forbes, which I think is a magazine. This is terrific. All you got to do though is go and look at them. They're gorgeous. Uh, man, can I just say, guys, if you've got a restaurant, please put it on Squarespace. You ever, you ever get that, Matthew? You ever run into the flash site thing? Oh, God, it's the worst. And Squarespace have all the tools to fix that. It's all in there. Events. Literally, literally, you can have, uh, I I like to make a little money off sites. You can put in uh, uh, links to Amazon items. It's as easy as dragging it in and saying, go buy this Hawkeye comic. Very easy for you to do. We want you to please go and check this out. Uh, You go to squarespace.com and you do not need a credit card to sign up. If you decide to purchase, it starts at $8 a month. Includes a domain name if you sign up for a year. Get your 10% off by going to squarespace.com and using the offer code Stooge. 10. And listen, guys, if you have already created a Squarespace site out there and uh, you'd like to share it with us, please uh, do me a favor and uh, send a link to that via the tutor uh, with uh, at responding to Dan Benjamin and to me. I never say my Twitter handle, Hot Dogs Ladies. That's oh, so creepy. But uh, send us your sites because we'd love to see them. And we appreciate all, all the folks who have gone out there and done that. And as I am contractually obligated by my brain to tell you once a month, learn the escape trick. Do you guys know the escape? Matthew, do you know the escape trick? Yeah, it's the, it's the best trick. It's the, it's the trick that will blow your mind. If you're on a Squarespace site, go to your Squarespace site, the public-facing side of your site, hit Escape. If you're logged in, you'll go straight to your control panel. You go to your control panel, you make changes, you go to an area of the site where you're making changes, hit Escape again, and it takes you right to that page on the live public site. It's an amazing way to develop in one window. It's just the best. Um, so enough said, Squarespace is the best. Check them out, squarespace.com. Your offer code for this month is uh, Stooge10. Give you 10% off for the whole month of 10. And our thanks to uh, Squarespace for supporting 5x5 and back to work. Oh, you're really good at these. Yeah. And that might be the quit code, but you know, this is kind of a last minute thing, as you know. Mm. But that's, so, fine. Yeah, fine. that's fine. Yeah. That's fine. That's fine for Matthew. People have scripts for that. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I think, fine. It'll, be, I think it'll be fine. It'll be fine. As long as people get on Squarespace, everything will be fine. Nobody yeah. needs to I, get I, I literally run everything on Squarespace. Yeah, it's really um, comically easy <laughs> to set things up. Mm. You know, I uh, we talk about them a lot and for a long time on this show, but for people who've never done it, it's pretty bananas. You just go in there and your domain name is running and mm, I don't know. Somebody of your age, friend, I don't know if you can appreciate how much harder that stuff used to be. When I was a kid, 
We walk, Back walk, in the day. walk both ways in HTML uphill. Mm. Um, Florida. We, I don't know if we should talk about Florida. Have yeah, you no, been to Florida? I, I, have you been there? Yeah, yeah, I've been there quite a few times. <laughs> really? Yeah, no, I, uh, well, because in, in England, mm-hmm. uh, Florida has, Florida, much like Spain, has been romanticized as this place where there is heat. Um, and you can escape uh, London, which is gray. And uh, so as a child, I was taken there quite a bit. Um, but then uh, I dated a girl from Florida, which is really where I derive most of my strangeness. Red flag. Saying. Yeah. Well, the main red flag is the fact that when you're dating a girl from Florida, you're predominantly dating her mom. Who, <laughs> <laughs> who is still is also in Florida. Yeah. And they're inexplicably wearing the same stuff all the time. Like like uh, premiums from uh, handing in packs of cigarettes. You get like free shirts and, and visors yeah. and stuff. <laughs> yeah, a lot of denim overalls and stuff. <laughs> hey, mom, is that a new Marlboro hoodie? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> yeah. And like they don't like there was a very strange phenomenon where, you know, they're, they're, the mom is trying to be too chummy with the daughter and. They refer to each other as best friends and they refer to, refuse to call themselves like mother and daughter. That must really bring out the English person in you. Oh, yeah. It's, it's very uncomfortable. Um, you just sort of revert into this very posh, sort of sitting there, <laughs> hands on your legs, just sort of like, I don't know what to do with this. Smiling broadly and rocking. Yeah. <laughs> Singing God Save the Queen quietly. <laughs> while, you, while you drink room temperature Lipton tea. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, Florida is a strange place. It was, it, they were from. Um, Naples? Oh, that's just south of where I went to college. I know Naples. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I've I've been there a fair amount. Um and you know, that's the sort of town where, you know, they all live in those subdivisions and there's a Walmart Avenue sort of thing. And it's just mind numbing and everyone drives a Porsche Cayenne and it's white. But <laughs> I just learned about Porsche Cayennes. I've just learned about these cars from uh from John Roderick. They they sound yeah. they sound terrible. They probably don't have them in San Francisco. They're not hybrid. Do you know about the hissing here? Do you know about the hissing? No. It doesn't surprise me that you're a town of hisses. Oh, you know where you get it. I I don't see it as much now as I used to, but it used to be, especially like in the late nineties, you go to a movie and and, in the trailers, you know, you know how trailers are in a world things happen. And then, you know, coming in, uh, coming in March of 2000 and there's silence in here. Really? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It's a very like if 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 people have said anything that offends you, you hiss. Really? Oh, it's I I would hate to be in a room with John Roderick if, if somebody started hissing. I would really just not want to be there for that. Have you ever inadvertently hissed at anything? I've hissed ironically, and I worry. Uh, I don't want it to catch on as a thing. But oh my gosh, what a what a what a what a what a horrible way to be to be hissing at things. That's a terrible thing to do. It's like a sneeze. Yeah. Do you, do you have like a hiss button? It's kind of like political asthma. Yeah. It's <laughs> disgusting. Um, totally disgusting. Um, all right. Uh, you know, I don't know. Should we, I, I, we could talk, we could talk more about, uh, I like the England. We could also, I, you know, I know you like comics. I do. Should we risk, I've, I've, should we risk the third rail? Oh yeah, we should do it. Yeah. We never, we, we haven't done it yet. No, we, we haven't. We've been talking offline about it, but we've never had a chance to talk about it in front of people. Oh God, this is, I'm, I'm very excited right now. Are you really? Oh yeah, no, I've moved around in my chair again. <laughs> yeah. uh, so it it seems that you and I I don't know, I mean, in my head anyway, you and I have both are both fairly recent um to the mostly Marvel comics world, kinda, right? Right. 
When did you uh, when did you start? Uh, well, first of all, were you into comics as a child? Did did you read uh, the Adventures of Queen Mum and uh, uh, yeah, the Beano, <laughs> uh, Captain Laurie Torch? Mm, it's not mm. funny. It's not funny. But did you read it's comics? Okay. Did you read comics as a kid? Uh, I did, but they, they, I could only ever get them when I was in America, and I had actually a very traumatizing experience. I was in. Um, the town where my mum's from, which is slightly dodgy. It's on the coast of uh, Texas called Galveston. Yeah. Smile. Yeah. Um, Barry White sang about it. Um, so there you go. Um, and I got, I got robbed when I was by myself as a young child and like beaten up because I was buying comic books. And uh, so I stopped buying comic books for quite a while, but I, d- I read them off and on, but I just, you didn't have as much access. Like X-Men, which I always enjoyed as a child, you could only get it, in this sort of magazine version, which collected loads of different stuff. And it was very inconsistently at the supermarket I used to buy it from. So there was never any consistent uh, funnel for comics into my life. So Um, it wasn't something where it became, obviously it's, it didn't become part of your, like like a ritual or something you would look forward to knowing you could do on a Saturday or something. No, I mean, it was like, um, I was always an artist. I was like an art student for a little while when I was younger uh, right before I went to university, I was, it was sort of a decision between art school and normal. No kidding. <laughs> normal yeah. school. <laughs> yeah. Normal school. Uh, got to the fixies later. Um, and yeah, no. So I, I always use comics and that sort of, uh, art history in like, uh, cartoons and stuff like that. Superheroes as a way it was like an artistic release. I never really read the story so much. I didn't buy them for the story. I bought them for, which one had the characters that I thought were the most artistically interesting, which sounds so pretentious. No, no, it doesn't at all. I think that's, I think that's common to this day. Uh, I mean, like with my daughter, she's going to be way more interested in in a comic. If it's got certain characters, I was that way. If it had the thing in it, when I was a kid, I would, well, to to the extent that my modest budget would allow, I I would buy it. Yeah. No. So yeah, I, I didn't get back. I got back into them when the iPad came out. Oh, interesting. Okay. And I was actually in Naples, Florida. That's when I started. I was probably trying to escape the bloody mum. <laughs> Something to distract you from mum. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're like braiding each other's hair. I'm like, please, just, I'm going to say. Oh, I'm no. Yeah, no. No, I, 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 the first one that got me back into it, I read the extremist line of Iron Man, and that got me back into everything. And I've been reading since then. Extremist is uh, the stuff in Iron Man 3 that, uh, no spoilers, but it's that, uh, actually, it was on uh, Marvel Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. too. It's, it's a, a virus you get that gives you lots of power, but then you blow up. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah. Have you been watching that show? Do you like that show? I uh, I've watched the first episode three or four times, and I just haven't gotten to the second one yet. But um, I mean, just on the strength of the first episode, wow! I thought it was amazing. Yeah, I mean, it's very cheesy as you'd expect, but it's fun. I can't believe somebody would make a show about a comic book that's cheesy. Mm. If you want, if you want from cheesy, let me tell you. Last night I bought my daughter. Uh, you, I don't know if you were ever exposed to this, but in seventy six to seventy nine, there was a show with Linda Carter called Wonder Woman about the DC comics character. And I, you know, I want to make sure that she's exposed. She's already with the X-Men. She's exposed to lots of cool and, and Captain Marvel exposed to lots of cool, uh, female comic characters, you know, who aren't wussies. And I thought, Oh, this is cool. I'll go on Amazon. I'll drop three bucks, get her this thing. And Oh my God. Is it I, bad? I, uh, it's bad. It looks like it was filmed at a, at a high school where they didn't tell the people they were going to be filming there. 
It's real, <laughs> it's real cheesy. It's got Lyle Wagoner from the Carol Burnett show, of course. But like, I'd watched the, the beginning of it. Uh, my daughter was sick yesterday, so I went to do some work and my wife took over at one point. And so this morning I was like, Oh, how'd it go with Wonder Woman last night? And she's like, it was worse than I remember and not very pro lady. <laughs> yeah. I, can, I was going to say, like, I doubt it's very pro women. Well, it's very, there's parts about it that I admire. I'm only, the only reason I'm bringing this up is, is to, to, to contrast that, oh my gosh, there's just been so much terrible comic stuff in the past. Um, I mean, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is, is, you know, like Twelfth Night compared to that stuff. But, um, it's, uh, yeah, yeah, there is a lot of ladies running around in basically underwear. It's got Cloris Leachman, which is awesome. And, uh, as, as, um, Wonder Woman's mom. But, you know, and we watched, and it's funny because earlier in the day, uh, she's sick. I let her watch some iPad stuff. We watched some of the 60s um, Marvel cartoons. I don't know if you've ever seen these. Like, Thor, I have. I love them. When Captain America throws his mighty shield. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like just short of clutch cargo. They're basically like, you know, Ant-Man looks like he has some kind of severe head trauma. He's it just like does. his. Yeah, they, they all look they all look like they've been heavily drugged. But anyway, just in the service of saying, I thought that was extremely well done for uh, the Marvel Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Now, have you watched the second one yet? I have. And so should I keep with it? Yeah, and it, I didn't, to, to be perfectly honest, I didn't pay that much attention to it as I watched it. It was kind of there and it was like pretty noises and lots of things happening. Um, but the end of the episode, no spoilers, was really, it was a good payoff. I heard it was, uh, it's got a pretty bananas, uh, implausible but fun ending. But, yeah. you know, it's, that's, I don't know, watching that first one, uh, I was so happy to hear that it had scored well in the ratings, something like the best drama uh, premiere since 2009 or something like that. Yeah, I was really cool. happy to hear that because, first of all, I love seeing the Joss Whedon family succeeding, you know, with all that guy's been through over the years. I'll never get sick of seeing that guy succeed. But also just, I mean, you got to sit and watch that show. If you want to catch everything that's going on, all the little jokes, did you catch that all the little flying robots are named after the seven dwarves? I didn't catch that the that's first right. time. I mean, did you, you know, like uh, Fitz and Simmons and like uh, there's all these little jokes and you can, can't understand their accents. And it's, uh, I love a show that assumes I can keep up. Right. That's always rewarding. Yeah. And I feel like there's not that many shows, especially on, I mean, I don't watch, I can't think of hardly anything I watch on network TV now. But, uh, so you got back into it with the iPad yeah. and it seems like I've heard you on shows with Moises and, and we've talked about it a little bit. It sounds like you're mostly reading Marvel stuff. Yeah. Well, I'm reading, yeah, a lot of Marvel stuff, but I do read Batman from DC, which has been really, really, really good. Which one is I, it? Is it the, is it like, is, is there a, a Batman title you read? Just, just the pure Batman. Okay. Um, so I've been reading that since it started afresh. And uh, that's predominantly just because uh, The Dark Knight Returns, really like that and Watchmen really reshaped my conception of what my characters could be in that sort of medium. Yeah, And so I got really interested and invested in Batman. I've been trying for the past few weeks to read their sort of summer event stuff, like this Forever Evil stuff. And it's mind-numbingly terrible so I'm predominantly, I'm predominantly Marvel right now. Is that a, is that a DC crossover? Yeah. Well, it's it's um, is, it's, that, is that the thing with all the 3D covers? Yeah, there's been that which I shamelessly bought into, and they're really not very good. Um, 
it's just this whole sort of, there was this plot line, I can't, it was called Trinity War, and it was this whole storyline of all these what-ifs, and suddenly all the superheroes go missing, and suddenly all the villains are the main characters, and it's just, it was basically a shameless money grab um, on their on their part. Okay. So I've, I'm kind of jaded on that, but I'm really enjoying Marvel right now. Battle of the Atom and Infinity. I am, I'm, uh, I keep trying to get into Infinity, and I feel like I've got, I would have to have so much catching up to do to understand what's happening. If, because I, I, I followed Avengers and New Avengers really closely when they first restarted with Marvel now, but I've fallen behind. And it's got that kind of magical, cosmical, hippity-dippity thing that I end up liking, but it sometimes takes me a while to get into. Yeah, I mean, it, it was, it's very much one of those things where the art is really intricate and the storylines kind of jump around a bit. And it really relies on you having a lot of contextual awareness of what they're doing elsewhere. And... um you know, I subscribe to, what's it called, Marvel Universe or whatever, where you have access to all of them digitally. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, so I did that, and I started reading... I hadn't read New Avengers yet, which is fantastic. Um, and I started reading all that, and I had been reading Avengers, you know, Vanilla, and all that sort of stuff. And, uh, yeah, no, I'm really enjoying Infinity, but I, I've seen a lot of people... Uh, it seems very books. polarizing. Right, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I had fun. Well, that's one of the reasons I want to talk to you, I, I think, was that I... I don't know. I'm I'm just mostly kind of doing my own version of talk therapy about dealing with my burnout on events. And it's it's interesting because I don't categorically dislike events. Like I I liked Avengers versus X-Men. I like a lot of things like House of M. I like a lot of those things in the past. But I, I was scratching my head a little bit about um the Ultron stuff a little bit by the end of that. Right. Did and you read all the way to the end? Yeah, my favorite part, believe it or not, this is, I can't believe these words are coming out of my mouth. My favorite part was the one that was about Hank Pym. I really liked that one. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I find him an extremely frustrating character. And well, me sure. too. That's why, it's, that's why it's ironic. I think yeah. my daughter and I just walk around the house periodically saying things, oh, thanks, Hank Pym. Any other great inventions you want to give us? Oh, <laughs> how, how, about a, how about a pet dog that's made out of saws or something? Like We have this whole running list of things that Hank Pym can invent to make the universe worse. But, you know, he's, it's, 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 all, it's all been said a thousand times. But I, I do enjoy this stuff so much. But I am becoming a little bit more, for lack of a word, better word, critical, I guess, about deciding what I'm going to stick with and really getting more critical just for probably for financial reasons for like what I need to buy every week. Yeah. Because, it, it, you know, if you do the math, it really adds up. Oh, it gets very expensive. Um, it, it really hit me during that 3D month because I was buying a bunch of those just for the fact that they were interesting looking for the most part. Um, my comic book store is awesome. They let you do a digital checklist on the Sunday, every Sunday, oh. and they just set everything aside for you. So you have a very good idea of exactly what's coming that week. <laughs> but you also get a number. <laughs> right. And like the, the problem is, though, is that um, and you, it, they discount it if you use the checklist, so you get cheaper comics, and which is all nice and everything. But the problem is you start realizing, like, wow, I'm buying way too many comics. So I've started trimming down. Like, I don't read any of the Captain America stuff anymore because it's Boring. I couldn't get I couldn't get into it, but the, the funny thing for for coming in around that I guess I came in probably a little bit after you uh, recently. I came in a, you know during I would say AVX. I got more right. into it. No, I mean not. I'm just pinning it to a time. It was around then. Where definitely I was pretty primed by the time Marvel Now came along. But uh, what I'm really realizing is how much I really prefer. I like reading things in trade. I think. And well, what I really, I think what I really like is if I, I kind of feel like I almost want to spend a little more buy a hardcover collected version and then get that digital version because three ninety nine a week 
for something where mostly it's just God bless him, Michael Brian Michael Bendis like doing some exposition for you know twenty some pages like that. That wow, I just thought it was four dollars. Like I wouldn't spend I wouldn't spend four dollars that many times on a week on anything else. So, but so you like you like this, you like reading it with it in your hands, single issues. Yeah, I, I was I was buying everything on Comixology, and then it just came to this point when I suddenly realized. Um, well, I, I moved a few months ago, and I realized that I had suddenly moved in right next door to a really, really sort of, I guess, the famous comic book shop. And the owner's a really interesting activist for um, gay rights and stuff like that. And his store has a lot of integrity and it's very personable and very friendly. So I enjoy going in there every week to pick up my stuff and having a brief conversation with everyone. And it adds like a whole new dimension to it that I didn't get from just like angrily refreshing uh, comicsology every Wednesday morning sort of thing. Um, so I've been enjoying buying individual stuff every Wednesday. And I don't know, it's, it's, I mean, comics for me right now are a very elaborate form of escape from my day-to-day life, which is very stressful at the moment. And um, it's it's so outlandish and buying into that whole mentality of going each week and having a checklist and uh, following all these disparate storylines is there's something romantic and interesting about it that I've become really deeply invested in. And I think a lot of that is the individual stuff. So I've gotten to the point of notary where I'm like bagging and boarding them and putting them in the white box thing, whatever <laughs> it's called. And yeah, me too. Are you really? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I have to agree with you. Um, I, over the last year, I've developed, as I think I've probably become one of their best customers, uh, really gotten to be pals with all the guys at my comic store, which is Two Cats Comics on West Portal Avenue in San Francisco. You should go there and buy lots of stuff. We'll have another meetup, another comics meetup there sometime very soon. Um, but you're right. I love, I, uh, <laughs> it's part of my workflow. My work, <laughs> yeah, I know how you love workflows. Oh, God, I love a good script. You like workflows. Mm. <laughs> uh, it helps me get my steps in for my exercise, too. I'll walk them. The, uh, I won't say how long it is, but I'll walk to this place. It's a mile. And, uh, and I'll hang out there <laughs> for an hour and talk and get my comics and allow the uh, owner-operators to talk me into other things that I should have. But you're right. It, it is – and, and to, to your point, I don't know. I think, it, I think it's I, – I, I've, it's very easy to make fun of nerds, and I do it all the time, even though I, to some extent, am one. There's a, there's a funny thing, though. There, there's a nice, comforting, satisfying ritual to getting those comics, choosing them, making decisions. You know, dude, I don't play video games, and I don't have a Facebook account. Like, this is the closest thing I have to something like that, is to go in there and spend 30 bucks and then walk walk out with all of this stuff. And I, I can get a pretty good discount. I'll pick up a couple trades. I'm helping that those people. I'm supporting... Uh, people who are doing great work, and you know, let, honestly, if you really want to support comics, you do really need to buy single issues. That's that's if you want your comic that you love to stay alive today. It's my understanding that that's the best way to do it is to go buy it, have it on your pull list every week. But you're right, and then I come home, and after everybody goes to bed, I sit there like a complete dork, and for no particular reason, put in in bags and boards, and then organize them, and it's incredibly satisfying. And sometimes I even read them. Well, it's, it's probably the, one of the most innocent things you can do as a form of catharsis to escape from like whatever stress and you know whatever things that bother you in your day-to-day life you can go in this easily repeatable uh method of going reading these outlandish storylines that are so far disconnected from your day-to-day life that it's almost laughable from a remove and it's just i don't know i mean for me it's the whole process is just so enjoyable. You know, every Wednesday I go, they open up about 11 and I go just after that, thereabouts. 
And I still, I still haven't brought myself. I don't have the courage to tell most people I know at the office or like my friends or anything that I do this. <laughs> You're closeted. I mean, oh no, I've always had this very ongoing thing. Like when I ran my first website when I was really young, I never told anyone, including my parents, and I was generating revenue and stuff. You had I've reasons. Said, yeah, I've always, I've just always had this. Um, it's just this, this sort of very self-conscious uh, self-awareness of you know my nerdery and. Uh, I've always just been trying to run away from it, um, like Tom Cruise from being gay. And it's, it's, you know, it's just very strange. But comic books today serve like a really important role, sort of a, an amazingly important role when I take a step back and look at it because it's, it's so absurdist to say it, but it's just, uh, it's very true. I don't know. I, I, I derive a, a ridiculous amount of pleasure from uh, going and buying these things every week. Well, uh, yes. And to probably state the obvious, think about the place that that finds in your life right now. I wonder if, and not to be all, you know, Freudian or something, but, or something, Lacan, I don't know who I am, but you, um, you spend your whole day sitting around thinking about how to do things with technology and how to pay for it. And I wonder if part of it is it's it maybe it's enjoyable for you to not look at a phone for a little while or to not look at an iPad or a screen or be talking to somebody about money. You just you go into this little world where metal men fly around and shoot beams out of their hands. And but but having that physical copy, that also means that when you travel, I, I know when I travel, if I'm in town somewhere on a Wednesday, I, I will I will take a cab if I have to to go find the lowest no, the nearest comic store and just go check in. It's it's fun. It's it's like it's like church for nerds. Right. Yeah. And there's, there's like very little that can be possibly negative about it beyond the fact that you're going and buying comic books religiously and people might judge that. But you know. Yeah. When I look at the numbers over the last year, I realize I've got to dial it back and get, I mean, I think it's a natural, I, th- I have to imagine it's a totally natural thing. Uh, it's like, a, it's not a black German car. So at least I've got that going for me. But, but you know, it's something where like now that I've gotten through the initial bloom of being excited about everything, I, I'm not going to become cynical, but at the same time, now I really can go, okay, I know I really need to spend more time with things written by Matt Fraction and illustrated by Umberto Ramos. And I, na- I know that if this kind of character is being written by this person that I ordinarily don't like, except when they write this character, you know what I mean? I know enough now that I have enough like first order discernment to be able to go in and, and not be blowing dozens of dollars a week on stuff that I'm never going to read more than once. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, I feel yeah, like yeah. I've, I've reached maybe the second level of. See, I haven't stuff. hit that yet. Mine's very much still like the, the closest I've gotten to that is that I've started being more discerning in terms of what I'm buying and I've been giving up. And I know now that when it's sort of post the big sort of climax of a story arc, that the next two or three issues are going to be pointless. <laughs> and it's going to be like, Oh, Thor visits the city and buys ice cream. It's great. Um, like, which is literally like what happened. Like I think last week or something. And I just know now to not even bother. Um, and I'm, I'm becoming more discerning. I'm becoming more intelligent about it. Um, and you're right. I went on giant size with, uh, Moises and I was trying desperately to try to get a handle on everything that I'm reading and everything. But I, I, I still don't really have it. Um, I'm not really trying to have it at this point, I suppose. Um, but I think there's, I mean, I, 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 there's part of me that wishes I was at the stage where I was familiar like you are with like, which artists I enjoy. Like, you don't feel like you you don't feel like you have that. No, I mean, I, I'm I'm very familiar with it in, in a very sort of organic sense of the aesthetic that I'm drawn to. But you'll notice, you'll notice if a different artist is doing X-Men, for example. 
Oh yeah, the art to me is the the real guiding thing. I don't, I, I never sort of take the time to say, oh well, I really much prefer this art to this art, and I prefer this. I mean, I've actually the, the closest I've gotten to thinking like that is, um, and specifically about who's doing it is this Battle of the Atom event. Oh man, because it's it's all the different X Men comics drawn by all their respective artists, and I've been buying all of them, and I typically only bought like Uncanny. No, not Uncanny. I bought just all them. new. Yeah, all new. And and seeing all these variations on the same sort of people, that's been really illuminating, and I've been really enjoying that. I, I And I, I totally agree with you. And um, I don't know if this makes me seem less like... I don't know if this makes me more or less of a new, but I have to say in Battle of the Atom, which I am really greatly enjoying, I love time travel stuff. I I think it's so fun. I think it's so fun. It's, it's The story's not super hard to follow, but the characters are so great. And in the case of, gosh, now I'm going to leave people out, but uh, Stuart and Monin, I think what has, does a lot of the all-new X-Men stuff. Chris Bacalow, I think, is doing the uncanny stuff. That's the slightly more, not whimsical, but more kind of, you, you know the difference. You really know when yeah, you yeah, see no, it. You know I, Chris I Bacalow. That, yeah. You know Chris yeah. Bacalow when you see it. But yeah, and I, I don't find it jarring at all. I love, I love to see what somebody's going to do with Jean Grey. I love that one person makes Cyclops look much more really... I love that they're really playing the old X-Men as really like teenagers, not like 19 year old teenagers. They're much closer to like 13 or 14 year old teenagers. They look, they're, they're kids. Right. And I think that comes across in that style. You know, I, I, one thing I like about where I am, I'll just say is that I, um, I, I, I like that I'm becoming just, just slightly more discerning, but I'm, I still haven't gotten self-conscious about it. I'm still right. not, I'm still not as worried as I might be one day about saying, Oh, I'm going to mention this thing that might seem uncool. Or, you know, I, I, I make easy jokes like anybody, but I like the fact that I, I still just like the genre and I, I like the whole idea of it. And I like going out and picking up some new thing on image or dark horse and going, uh, wow, this is so different than anything I was reading on Marvel. And it's really, it's, it's, it's a jolt. It's like picking up a great piece of literature because it's, it's so wonderfully thought out and so beautifully illustrated. Uh, and that it really transports you. And I, I think that's a feeling I haven't had that many times in a fictional universe since college. Right. So are you, talk, are you talking about like Saga? Saga, yeah. I'm enjoying The Wake by Scott Snyder. And uh, I mean, I mean, you know, I, I, I've been admonished by the universe to stop talking about Saga. But I, I mean, I, I can't think of a better. That and Hawkeye are the two that I can just pretty confidently recommend to almost anybody um, for, for, for really, you know, being, as we say in baseball, five tool players. I mean, they, they, the story, the art, the everything, the coloring. Uh, and by the way, um, Matt Hollingsworth, the guy who does the coloring on Hawkeye, also does The Wake, which is by Scott Snyder that you might know from some uh, Batman stuff. Yeah, I recognize that name. And uh, Sean Murphy, who's amazing, who's done some Batman and who did uh, Punk Rock Jesus and stuff like that. Okay, so I haven't read Hawkeye or Saga yet. Oh, that's really yeah. difficult to understand. Sorry. Well, this is a great having you. Um, and actually, we should wrap up. Uh, but I, <laughs> but no, but no, uh, everyone stopped listening like 20 minutes ago. It's fine. No, I'll still it's listen. Don't worry. Time. I'm listening to you now. But, but you know, there's only so many hours in the day. And I, you know, I think we all get burned out on hearing things a million times. But if you had, um, I'm putting you on the spot here. Um, is there anything right now that you're particularly enjoying that you would recommend I, I i'm personally you can recommend anything you like but i'm always interested in like what you would suggest to people who aren't giant nerds people who maybe they find you interesting and they find your interests interesting is there anything out there right now that you would suggest as a place maybe in the last couple months a place to jump in 
uh, where people might be able to appreciate some of the reason why you like this stuff? Uh, oh, that's really difficult. Um, I think all the ones that I'm really enjoying right now, like really enjoying, and they're not sort of mired in too much backstory. And it's I'm really enjoying uh, Superior Spider-Man, uh, just because it's so it's kind of it's it's relatively brief and it's obviously life limited and it's just kind of this um, opus sort of overview of all the major people in that universe and it's been a good sort of way for me to get involved and then on top of that I've been really enjoying um, Uncanny Avengers just because it's it's kind of disconnected from all of that but it includes like it's a crossover between like my favorite two groups of people in that whole sort of world which is you know X Men and Avengers and I've been really enjoying that. And with the, the whole sort of Red Skull, Nazi sort of weirdness and socio-political commentary, that's been really interesting. So I've been having fun there. Yeah, that was an interesting thing uh, coming out of AVX. If I remember, the idea was Cap wanted Captain America wanted to be able to to have a post-AVX team that would be a combination of mutants and specifically Avengers, I guess. Right. That would work together and be led not by him, but by Havoc. Right. He right. wanted to have, he wanted to show that the Avengers, which was like, an, it was meant to be like, Every, everybody loves, everybody loves the Avengers. Everybody hates the mutants. Right. Right. So he wanted to have some overlap so that there could be some, you know, reparations and people can start to trust mutants and things like that. Those, are, know, those, are, those are great picks. And I, I'll just say, I, I know you're a fan of the single issues, but a lot of the Marvel now stuff is out in trade at a pretty reasonable price right now. And if there's any of these that you're thinking about, I'll just, I'll toss out a few. I think all new X-Men starting with uh, the first issue. Yeah, I, I, Would you agree? Yeah, that's awesome. It's an awful lot of fun for old or new X-Men fans. Um, I don't know if everybody's going to agree with me on this. I would say there's a, um, there's a trade of Marvel Now's Fantastic Four, but uh, it's really, it's Fantastic Four and FF, the Future Foundation, which you read interleaved. And it's the first three issues of both, which I think are just categorically delightful. Uh, by uh, Matt Fraction and Mike Allred, that's really great. Um, it's, I guess, what I would say is that it is. It's a really good time to. I, th- I feel like it's a good time to jump into comics. And if you go to a local store, they're not as intimidating as they seem. If you go in there and tell people about the kind of stuff you enjoy, um, they will be able to help you out and, and point you in a direction where you might want to even come back sometime. Yeah, and ask like ridic- ridiculous questions. I've been asking a lot recently about like why are variants a thing? And I've been learning a lot about that sort of stuff and they've been really, really helpful. So, Oh, and, and like, don't be embarrassed. I mean, here's the thing. Be embarrassed if you go, go in there and act like you know more than you do because you'll probably look silly. But if you go in there and say, look, um, I- I'm confused. How many spider women are there? Like, they're going to laugh because they're going to go, oh, that's, there are lots of different spider women. They're not all Jessica Drew. It's really confusing. And let me explain why. And you'll have, have a laugh about it and it'll be fun. But people will help you get started. Every comic store I've ever been to, if you just go in and say, what should I read? They might just give you something they've got a lot of. But if you go in there and show them, like, here's something I read a really long time ago and I loved. Is there a good entry point back into this? And they might be able to say to you, hey, check out this Batman New 52 starting with number one. You know, check out Court of Owls or something like that. Yeah. Here's the kinds of things where, like, I'm pretty confident if you've liked this character in the past. If you like Wolverine and you like the fact that Wolverine has these great relationships, you're going to like Wolverine and the X-Men. Like, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Have you read Savage Wolverine, by the way? I have it, and I've read a few, but That's I haven't. Fun. I haven't kept up. There's yeah. there's comics like that, and Thor, and um, New Avengers, where I stack them up. Because especially with Thor, I really like to read them through, and I really enjoy the ones that I've read. 
I haven't seen I haven't seen him get ice cream yet. Yeah, no, I see. I had to give up on that one because it was just there was so much. It was so thick, and I just knew I was going to come back to it at some point. But yeah, I don't know. It's fun. It's such a rabbit hole. Once once you get into it, I went and I remember I when I first started going, I was buying like one a week, and I had no idea what I was doing. And now I go and I buy like five comics a week. <laughs> it's embarrassing. I'm a I'm an executive member, so I get a great discount on the ridiculousness. Really? <laughs> I have them. I have them, and I carry them. I like. I'll often bring a backpack in my car. This is really embarrassing. And I'll bring them back into my office because I don't want to leave them in the car because uh, Texas is like the surface of the sun. And um, I'll just bring them into my office, and I literally hide them from people. <laughs> um, and as kidding? a result, I'll often like forget that I left them at the office or something, and. I'll go back and once recently I set off the alarm there because I went to go back to get it and I didn't know the code. To- He's selling Mr. Bean. <laughs> yeah. So like everyone's like, why did you set the alarm off? And it's like, well, I had to go get something. I'm like, what did you need to get? And it's like, oh, you know, my laptop. Sort of yeah, thing. Here's, here's the thing, Matt. If you, if you have just long boxes, long boxes are, are really big. You can get, you know, like a half, like a short box. You should get a short box for, for transporting between your private areas and just write my business papers on the side. I don't know. I need I need something a little bit more, um, something a little less obvious. I need like a hollowed out puppy or something. <laughs> you could maybe you could get uh, if in San Francisco you have to have two of every dog. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. You could or get could, like, uh, hire two, a child, two pugs or a child. You could have a hollowed out child. Yeah, yeah. Come on, Pablo. He's just got a <laughs> strap to his back. This is Pablo. He's my comic. Yeah. He's my comic mule. Yeah, no, he's. He's interning with me. Bominos, Pablo. Bominos. <laughs> okay, listen. You have been listening to uh, Matthew Alexander, and uh, he's he's one of my favorite people on the internet. I'm a huge fan. Uh, I know him best from Bionic and uh, from Twitter. Um, Matthew Alexander, can you please tell people where they can learn more about you, uh, the places you would like to be found? Uh, it's easiest to find me on Twitter at, at Matt Alexander. So it's Matt Alexander without the ER on the end. Um, and then I don't really write on my website anymore, so that's not much help. That's uh, uh, com- what, what? No, it's uh, one dot net. That'll be in and show then notes. My new company, which is launching in about a little under a month, is going to be at needlifestyle.com. So keep an eye out. You got to check it out. I'm, I'm going to be, well, whatever it is that you do, and I have no idea what you're going to be doing, but I'm definitely going to be buying it. <laughs> I'm very excited. Mm. I'm going to become fancy. Um, I shifted my chair a little bit. Is it? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just had Pablo shift me. Oh yeah, no, he's he's been sitting here quietly the whole time, just <laughs> and he hates it because he's not allowed to read them. He's just eating some dried popcorn. I have to learn how to say "don't touch my comics." Mm. Uh, listen, uh, Matt Alexander, uh, thank you so much uh, for this last minute uh, wonderful uh, visit that you had. It's been um, really terrific having you here. No, thank you. It's extremely kind of you. It's very humbling. Well, I. I, 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 I well, it's it's been a delight to have you. You English people, you're very you're very self deprecating. It's it's really sweet up, for, up to a point. Yeah, yeah, but you're American. You're not, you're you're very self deprecating, and you're not allowed to be. I'm not any good at self deprecating. Hmm. Mm. You can find show notes for this episode on the internet at five by five tv slash b two w slash one four zero. And uh, and thanks to uh, thanks to Dan for uh, letting me uh, take the reins this week and visit with Matt. And, uh, well, Matt, I love you.